Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, thanks for joining me on episode 61, Planting the Seed of Joy. Way back in December, I promised to do a series on the topic of joy, and it has taken me six months to actually do it. And the reason is because, honestly, I I still don't have the grasp on this that I wish I did. One thing I have come to realize is that I can't just keep studying about it. I have to actually do it and put the things into practice that the Holy Spirit has been showing me. And so while I'm sharing what I've been learning with you, I myself, I'm going to have to fight for this and I'm going to have to make myself put these things into practice. So how about if we do this together? Now, like I said, we're going to be talking about joy, and we're going to be talking about what is it? Is it even possible to have joy in my life again? And if so, how do I get there, and how can I hold on to it and not keep losing it? I want to read to you from my book, When Tragedy Strikes, from the chapter, Adding the Swimming Pool of Joy. I may be broken into what feels like a million pieces, but I don't want to be destroyed by this. Is that even possible? Does it make any sense? I don't want to just survive. I want to learn how to thrive again. God's meaning of joy is not some euphoric happiness. It is an underlying belief that God is in control and I can rejoice in his goodness and faithfulness at work in my life. Happiness is based on outward circumstances and can go away if those circumstances change. Joy is based on a constant inner knowing of truth beyond the outward circumstances. I believe just like we can have pain and peace inside of us at the same time, we can have joy on this journey of suffering. And how is that possible? Well, peace and joy are fruits of the Spirit of God living inside of us right? Pain is in our soul. And these are two different parts of our being. We're three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit. And so peace and joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right, are fruits of the spirit that we're told in Galatians 6. So those things are inside of us, in our spirit. Pain is in our soul. And in order for fruit to grow, it has to be nourished. So we can choose whether we're going to grow the soul fruit and continue to grow our pain, or are we going to grow the spiritual fruit and nourish the spiritual fruit that is already inside of us? Now, I do want to say, if you are fresh in your grief, and I'm talking about the first two or three years even, there is a a darkness, especially that first year or two, it just, it takes over. And we really have to fight that darkness. And for some of us, it's just not in us to fight that darkness. But we do get to a point where we 
start to make choices. Am I going to fight this pain? And am I going to feed my spirit to rise up above my soul and to strengthen my spirit so that eventually the fruit of the spirit, like peace and joy, is stronger than the pain in my soul? We do get to a point where we start making those kinds of choices. But even before that, we need to plant the seed of hope in our lives. And I don't think it's possible to have joy without first having a seed of hope. And once you have hope, it's completely possible to go from there to a place of joy. And not only is it possible, but it's God's desire for us. He made a bridge between the two, between hope and joy, and his name is Jesus. Jesus himself gave us his promise that with God, all things are possible, Matthew 19, 26. And I believe when Jesus says all things are possible, he's not talking about those material things. He's talking about internal things, about how we can grow in him and how we can overcome and how we can live through the tragedies of this life. Nothing is impossible with God. Let's tie Romans 825 and Hebrews 11 1 together. Now Romans 825 says, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it, says with perseverance or patient endurance. And I know some of us, it's, I'm not, it's hard to wait patiently. But we're hoping for what we do not see, we're waiting for it. And then Hebrews 11 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, hope is the seed that is planted to bring the fruit or the substance. We know it's there. We planted it ourselves. We plant the seed of hope with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to plant a seed of hope into you, to nourish that. We have an assurance, a trust, a belief that cannot be shaken. That's faith. The seed of hope that we cannot see is going to grow into a harvest that we can see. Hope is the seed planted, and joy is one of those fruits of that seed of hope. Now, I'm not about to tell you that losing your child is going to turn into something joyous in your life. No way. I'm not even close to saying that. But I will tell you that it is possible to have joy in your life beyond the grief. And I will say I have experienced that joy not as often as I would like to. I want to hang on to it more. I want it to be more a part of my everyday life. But I have had it. I've seen it. I've tasted it. And I know so many other parents who are further on this journey than me who have joy back into their lives the way I want to have joy back in my life. So I know I said at the beginning that this is my fight too. I'm fighting for this. But I'm also saying I know you can have it because I've tasted of it. And I know that I can have it because others have it who have lost their child. God says that our grief can turn to joy. One of the verses says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. That's John sixteen twenty, And that's just one of many scriptures with a promise of mourning and sorrow being turned into joy in our lives. And I choose to believe his word, no matter what my feelings tell me at the moment. Feelings can be fickle. 
And I choose to plant that seed of hope in me that this really truly can happen because God says it can happen and I've seen it happen in the lives of others and to watch it grow, being watered by his promises and become the fruit of joy manifested in my life from that seed of hope. It is no secret that the enemy works overtime to keep us from walking and living in joy. Why is he so determined to steal our joy? Nehemiah tells us it's because God's joy is our strength. And I don't mean that it's my joy in him, that it's our joy in him. It is his joy in me. It's his joy in you. This verse is in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, something the Lord showed me a few years ago, just hang in here with me. I'm going to use a little English lesson here, but just stay with me. The word of, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word of is called a preposition. Of the Lord is a prepositional phrase. So if I were to say, this color of the ocean is my favorite. I'm not saying the ocean is my favorite. I'm saying this color of the ocean is my favorite. If I were to say the book of Kevin's is lost. Now, normally we would say Kevin's book is lost. But if I use the word of here, I would say the book of Kevin's is lost. It's not Kevin that's lost. It's Kevin's book that's lost. Let's go back to the joy of the Lord. It's the Lord's joy. It's the joy of the Lord. It's the Lord's joy that is my strength. It's not my joy. It's his joy over me. It's his joy over you. It's his joy that is our strength. And when the Holy Spirit first showed me this, it was a huge relief because it meant that I don't have to manufacture or make sure that I have joy based on my love or my happiness in God to have strength. It's not my joy in him that gives me strength. My strength comes from knowing he is crazy in love with me. Your strength comes from the joy that God is dancing and singing over you with joy. And it may not feel like that when you're in this dark place of grief, but I'm just telling you, joy is not something that you have to figure out how to manufacture being happy in who God is. And that's the joy that will give you strength. That is not what this says. It's his joy over you. Zephaniah 317 has been a favorite scripture of mine for a long time. And it talks about how he's rejoicing over us with gladness and singing. Now, how do we feel when someone is gushing over us? It embarrasses us. We don't deserve it. And yet there is something about it that internally makes us feel warm and wanted and loved. And that is what God is doing over you. His joy over you is what is your strength. His joy over me is what makes me strong. His joy about me creates joy in me. His joy about you being his child, being his beloved, is what creates joy in you. Now, there is a seed of hope to plant in your life for sure. 
And we're going to cover this topic of love because I know that is a struggle for so many after the death of our child. And we are going to talk about that later in another episode. In my book, I wrote that my joy is different now than it used to be. And I, I talked about how I believe that what happened to me is that my joy is now more of a solid undercurrent in my life now. It's built into the foundation and the very fiber of my being. It's become a rock on which I'm anchored. And the focus of where my joy comes from has shifted, like I just shared. It's now based over his joy over me, not my joy about him. And all of that is true. Like I said, I put that in my book, and I still believe that. There is an undercurrent of joy that is in my life now. But something about that just continued to bother me because I don't just want joy as an undercurrent in my life. I want a joy that comes out of me with more smiles and laughter and just a lighter heart. It's kind of like all my life I have bought into the Christian idea that happiness is based on circumstances that come and go, but joy is based on an internal truth and that God isn't concerned with your happiness. I mean, I've I've been outright told that. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but God doesn't care if you're happy. He wants you holy and he wants you obedient and he wants you, you know, all these other things. But in these past few months, I really believe the Holy Spirit has been showing me that what I am looking for is the outward feeling of rejoicing that comes from the internal joy. And when you think about it, how many scriptures are there where it talks about the apostles would have great joy when they heard of good reports? The angels told us, fear not, I bring to you tidings of great joy. And it caused the shepherds to go run and see what was going on. There was an action behind that. It wasn't just this undercurrent, oh, thanks a lot, angels. That's pretty cool. I mean, it was. it stirred a rejoicing in them. So there does seem to be an internal and an external joy, both of them, that are connected to each other. And I used to think that if I was happy about something, that it must be my flesh, and it was based on fleshly things. But is it possible that happiness is sometimes confused with internal joy that just can't be contained? I can have great joy that makes me feel good and puts a smile on my face literally when I hear from one of you that God has used this podcast or something else with GPS Hope to help you in this journey some way. I can't tell you how many times I'll go to Dave and I'll say, Dave, you've got to hear this because it excites me and there's an action. There's something I just have to respond to that internal joy becomes external. Doing a happy dance or giving someone a big hug because we hear that maybe someone we love and we've been praying for for a long time has received Jesus. I don't see that as a happiness that can come and go based on circumstances. I see that as the outward manifestation of inward joy. It is rejoicing, which was done in the New Testament, and we see a lot of it in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, joy could only be an outward expression. So there was a lot of rejoicing when God did something that they were excited about. But since Jesus died and left and he sent the Holy Spirit, joy is now living inside of us. That's different. And to me, this is the answer of how it's possible to have, maybe I'll call it two levels of joy, that have puzzled me for a long time. There is a joy that comes from joy 
figuring out how to get God to do something for me, like healing or finances. But I've discovered there's an even greater joy that comes from knowing him intimately. This is the undercurrent. And letting him walk with me within the dark circumstances of my life, allowing him to love me back to a place of light and purpose and even victory in my life again, such as enemy, you can't take me down. God won't let you. There's a peace and a contentment of that undercurrent of joy that's there. But rejoicing is an outward manifestation of that inward undercurrent of joy. I don't know if you're familiar with Graham Cook, but I recently heard him say that joy is an internal, eternal environment that has a significant impact on all external situations. Think about that. Joy is internal and it's eternal and it has a significant impact on external situations. Joy isn't tap dancing on our problems. It's something we commit to whether we feel like it or not, and it changes us. We choose to allow the joy that is already in us. It's in us because the Spirit is in us, and that's a fruit of the Spirit. It's in us, and it's doing what we need to do to help that joy come forward. Joy isn't something we do it's something we have. Now, there are things that we can do to grow that joy and to bring it forward, but joy itself isn't something we do. It's something we already have inside of us. Things like hope and joy, they aren't our goal. They're the starting point because being in Christ is our starting point where we can learn to live from that place. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began a good work in us will complete it. God tells us that we can have joy, that he will turn our sorrow and mourning into joy and dancing. And I know that sounds impossible, but here's the thing. We get to decide if we're going to believe that he's lying or maybe he's reached his limits with us. Or is it even remotely possible that there is some truth in this? I can't see it now. It doesn't make sense now. But if he says it's true, then I'm going to start doing what I need to do to see this happen in my life. This series is called Finding Joy Again. And my goal isn't just to find joy again, but to learn more about it and to live it out more than I did before Becca died because of having a deeper and a more clear understanding of what true joy is. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit living inside of us. And one thing I'm starting to understand is that there are certain things we cannot have operating in our lives if we want joy at work in our lives. And so these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what some of those things are and what they need to be replaced with. And I mentioned earlier, talking about God's love for us is a struggle. That's where I'm going to start with. Next week, we're going to start with one of those biggest struggles for most of us, and that is God's love for us. So I hope you join me next week for us to talk about that. 
Some of what I shared today came from my book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. And this book can be purchased wherever you purchase books, including Christian book distributors, CBD. I just recently found out it's there. Also, I just want to let you know there's a course the When Tragedy Strikes Hope and Healing course that will take you deeper than the book. And it gives you tools and activities and things to do. And it just takes you a lot deeper to help you put into place what you read in the book When Tragedy Strikes. So to find out more about the course, you can go to gpshope.org WTS course. And now let's go ahead to our birthday segment. We have Calvin Joseph Kendricks, Jr., who was born on June 17th and is forever 28. Joe Luzo was born on June 18th and is forever 17. Tony Positeri was born on June 18th and is forever 38. Alyssa Tyner was born on June 19th, and she is forever two and a half years old. Carrie Lee Burrow was born on June 19th and is forever 25. We celebrate with these families the day that each one of them came into this world. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced on this podcast and shared with the other listeners, just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays, fill out the form, submit it, and I would be honored to add your child to the birthday segment of this podcast. There are those who are not ready to find joy. If you're in deep grief, that's probably you. So don't use this podcast to heap guilt on yourself for not being in that place yet. This is something you can hold on to in hopes that you will be at this place at some point. Maybe you can put a note somewhere or even put it on your calendar maybe six months from now to go back and listen to this podcast on joy, the series on finding joy again to see if you're ready to listen to this from a different perspective of coming out of that darkness and wanting to find joy in your life again. And if not, put it away again for another six months. It's okay. But always try to remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.